0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. Thank you for spending time with me, and I know there's a lot of choices you can make on your radio dial, so it means the world that you uh, keep it on faith radio, and I know that you come to get encouraged, built up, you hear God's Word, and you grow in your faith, and that's more important than anything you can hear on any other radio station, and I believe that to be true. I I sometimes will put on a sports station because I want to hear the recap of the game and after about two minutes, I go, ah, I'm done. I'm kind of bored. I want to go back to finding out what God's Word has and what I can learn, how I can grow, how I can challenge my own faith. And we always do that on uh, Deep Thinker Thursday, John and Pam Bloom. However, Pam's not with us today. It's just John. And uh, he's written an amazing um, article for Desiring God. You know, if you go to desiringgod.org, you will find about 600 articles that he's written. He's the co-founder of Desiring God. Desiring God. And a regular guest once a month here on the show, and every time he comes in, I feel like we're doing church. And today will be no exception. We're going to deal with a difficult subject. It's uh, it's something that uh, I don't have to filter out younger ears, but it's uh, it is a tough one, and it's something that's been in the news lately. I'm going to let John introduce it and get it started, but that's all happening in 60 seconds. It is Deep Thinker Thursday, and you know that means John and Pam Bloom are my guests, but Pam's not with us today. She is uh, busy doing something, John, isn't she? She is. She had some carpool issues come up, and so she wasn't able to join us today. A completely acceptable excuse. (laughs) We miss you, Pam. I'll look forward to next time. Anyway, John serves as author and board chair and co-founder of Desiring God. You can go to desiringgod.org and see all of the articles and sermons and topics and books and podcasts and everything else that's on that great website. So, John, welcome back once again. It's September. Here we are. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk today about uh, a very, very sad, tragic thing. And I know I'm going to just let you set it up because uh, the article you've written is is so carefully worded. I think you're going to go through it. Yeah, I'm
1: going to actually read the article. Uh, We we know that uh, recently... There was a high-profile uh, suicide of a Christian leader. And um, that prompted some c- communication between me and another friend of mine. And uh, I wrote an article in response to our conversation, and I think it might be helpful. But what I want to do—this uh, isn't an article about suicide per se. It's more of an article about what do, what do we do with things that just don't make sense to us. And my goal here will be to try to give cat- a category for how to handle things that we can't handle. And so— um, between now and, the, and when we need to b- take a break, I'm just going to actually read this article as I wrote it because I think it'll be most clear that way, and then we'll unpack it after the break. So the title of the article is It Doesn't Make Sense. It really doesn't make sense, and it feel, feels like it can't be true. Another suicide. The friend that texted me had a good friend. A Christian whose faith, by all appearances, was authentic and vibrant, who succumbed to an incomprehensible darkness an incommunicable despair, a despair that, at least at the moment of final decision, he didn't believe he could live with. So my friend was reeling, blindsided by a tragedy that defies explanation. We call it the problem of evil. Trying to reconcile how evil and suffering exists in a world ruled by an almighty all-good, all-knowing God. But calling it a problem hardly begins to describe our experience of it in this fallen world. A buoyant friend suddenly ends his life. A beloved child dies of a disease. We witness torture. The spouse we trusted with everything abandons us. The plain ruined towers collapse upon 3,000 souls. The horrific abuse... We suffered leaves us soiled with shame for decades. Such tragedies and sins almost never make sense to us, and the closer we are to the destruction that evil wreaks, the more chaotic and senseless it appears. In these experiences we glimpse the real nature of evil, and it's worse than we had conceived. The evil events themselves and God's God's Good providence in choosing not to prevent them, especially when we know he has chosen to deliver others, exceed the bounds of our rational capacities. We're left with anguished, perplexing questions that only God can answer. Most of the time he doesn't, not specifically. He rarely reveals his specific purposes for allowing our specific tragedies and the resulting wreckage. What we find is, is that we simply aren't suited to bear the full weight of the knowledge of good and evil. It's knowledge too complex for us to manage. It's beyond us on both sides. And the merciful truth is that God does not ask us to bear it. He asks us to trust him with it. He asks us to hand him back the fruit. There are mysteries that are great mercies, great, great mercies. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden contained a secret, one that God said should remain a mystery. And he warned the man and the woman that it would be better for them not to eat it. It would be the death of them if they did. Rather, he wanted them to trust him with the mystery of this knowledge and his administration of it. However, Satan told them this fruit would not kill them but would open their eyes to the heights and depths and lengths and breadths of God's knowledge, making them wise like God. They believed him and so they ate. And then the eyes of both were indeed opened to good and evil in ways that they had not yet known, ways that they were not at all equipped to deal with. And we have been languishing under this knowledge ever since. As a result of that first sin, God subjected the world to futility. That's Romans 8.20. And, then the, and the evil one was granted a, ki- a kind of governing power. 1 John 5.19. Sin infected us profoundly. Not only were our eyes open to more knowledge than we have the capacity to comprehend... But we also became very susceptible to evil deception. Our indwelling sin nature also adversely affected our ability to comprehend and appreciate good. That's one reason we need the strength to comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, Ephesians 3, 18-19. And it's why we need to pursue through intentional prayer the peace of God which surpasses understanding. When we're anxious, Philippians 4 7. And it's why we need the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we may know what is the hope to which He has called us, Ephesians 1 17 through 18. The goodness of God would be far beyond our imagination, even if we were sinless, but it is all the more so in our fallenness. We forfeited a great mercy when we believed we could be wise like God and opened the Pandora's box of the mystery of the knowledge of good and evil. Mystery refers to what exists in the dimensions of reality beyond the edges of our perception, things that we can't see, or comprehension, things that we can't grasp. Some things are mysterious because we are unaware of them until God chooses to reveal them, and other mysteries that we might be aware of, we might be aware of, but they just exceed our ability to comprehend them, at least in this age. The book of Job is the great piece of ancient literature that God inspired to illustrate how we experience these mysteries and how the the restoring of our souls begins as we hand God back the fruit. The purposes behind Job's tragedies were mysterious to him and his friends because they couldn't see and they could not know. Job's friends thought that they had sufficient grasp on the knowledge of good and evil to diagnose Job's suffering. They were wrong. In the end, God did not explain himself to Job, but challenged Job's assumption that he could comprehend the wisdom of God. Job responded by putting his hand over his mouth and saying, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know, and therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Effectively, he handed the fruit back to God. The message of the book of Job is not that God hates when people pour out their bewilderment and their pain and tragedies. Indeed, God the Son, when he became flesh and dwelt among us, cried in the depth of his own agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Rather, God's message, which is a core message of the whole Bible, is trust me. Where God does not grant us to see or to know, he has merciful reasons for it. When you think about it, God has designed the gospel and the Christian life to require us to hand back and to keep handing back the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to render back to God what is God's and was never meant to be man's. When the realities of good and evil exceed our limited perceptions, overwhelm our limited comprehension, and threaten to override our psychological and emotional circuitry, there is a reason for this. We may be fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are also fearfully finite. There are many things too wonderful for us to know. The peace that surpasses our understanding, which we need so much, is available to us if we're willing to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. When I texted my friend back he was, as he was grieving the tragic suicide of his friend, I sought to capture the essence of these truths in a few sentences, and he asked me to write more on it, so I've attempted it here. In the face of devastating tragedy, we find that we simply aren't suited to bear the full weight of the knowledge of good and evil. The merciful truth is that God does not ask us to bear it. He asks us to trust him with it. He asks us to hand him back
0: the fruit. That's a wonderful article, John. John Bloom wrote that and also uh, read it for us. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to go through this and uh, find out everything there is to learn. And uh, We're talking uh, about tragedies and how when things don't make sense. And we're struggling for understanding. Maybe God has it that we're not supposed to understand everything, but we're just supposed to trust Him. We'll take a short break and be right back. John Bloom is in studio, and we just went through an article he just put out in Desiring God, desiringgod.org. It's called, It Doesn't Make Sense When We're Blinded by Suicide. Now, John, I know we're going to kind of work through this. I appreciate you reading the story and I, the article, and I'm also uh, real curious to go through and try to process this with you.
1: Yeah, I, what I want to say first, before we unpack any more, is what I just read is not meant to. Um, I like guess is, this isn't the this isn't the medication that that everyone can take and then it's okay. It's not a band aid that fits all wounds. It's not it's not the answer to all questions. Nor it nor is this. Um, nor is this like don't ask questions, just trust God. That's not that's not the. Um, that would not be biblical because there's lots of questions that people in the Bible ask God. Lots of questions in the Psalms. You know, why have you rejected me? Why have you forgotten me? And those are from Psalm 42 and 43, which really probably originally was was just one Psalm altogether. Um, you know, why? And then, you know, he's asking God, and he asks himself, you know, why are you cast down on my soul? And um, and so, and, and that I quoted Jesus, who was quoting... Uh, a psalm, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So there are lots of questions to ask. What this is meant to do is give us a category, because we're going to reach the limits of our understanding. And, um, and that's the way we are. We're limited. And, uh, and when we reach those limits, um, we need to know, what do you do? Do you just despair, or do you, or, or do you just grow cynical and say, it's, "And then it's all, it's all, it's all wicked. God's wicked. Uh, or God doesn't exist, and it's just all chaos." Um, and this is meant to be a category to help us to understand why it is so fragmenting and disintegrating um, when we experience tragedy, things that are beyond our comprehension. And uh, this is just to remind us what what the original problem is and why it's so hard to comprehend.
0: When I think about the the full weight of the knowledge of good and evil, it's overwhelming, John. It is it's, overwhelming. It, 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 I, I, sometimes I'll read stories and the amount of evil that exists in the story, I I have to turn my eyes away from the page. Yeah. I have to stop looking at it. I can't take yeah, it in. I can't either.
1: Uh, it's um, It bends us to the ground. You know, we, and um, we, I mean, that's, that's, the tragedy that happened last week was one of those bend you to the ground tragedies. And, uh, and we all know people who are dear to us and we ourselves have, have endured things that just don't make sense. They, they just, they don't fit neatly into any categories. Once, once you experience them, um, oftentimes tragedy, especially when they're sudden or relatively quick, you know, like they, they, they're like bombs. They they blow up. They leave a, um, they leave destruction. It's not neat and clean. It's not a neat and clean philosophical issue of of good and evil. It becomes a, a uh, it leaves a wreckage, a messy wreckage, and um, and where you go, like, and where, and as we are processing those things, at, you know, we at different stages. We can comp- maybe comprehend a little bit more, and a little bit more. Uh, others, especially nearer to the front when it's fresh, you, you 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 can't. And where do you go when you when it's beyond you? Where do you go with that? With where do you go with knowledge that you're not that you're not really equipped to comprehend and handle emotionally, psychologically? And uh, what the what I try to get across, what I what I have found helpful, and what others I think have found helpful is. To remember we 're not going to be able to comprehend the knowledge of evil we can't we can 't other there 's other like there 's there 's a as I referred to in the article that you, we can 't comprehend aspects of good we need we need strength on both ends, and we need to as I call it hand back the fruit and and if that wasn 't clear what I meant by that um, imagery um it comes from Genesis chapter 3 in the fall in Eden where the man and the woman ate from the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and I opened that Pandora's box and hand back the fruit is, is um, handing him back what belongs to him and what we're not equipped to manage on our own.
0: So when people struggle with this idea of the knowledge of good and evil, it is going to be a barrier for a lot of people coming to understand Christ's love. And when you are sharing Christ with someone and they start bringing up these questions of evil and they want an explanation as to why God would allow that. It's tricky.
1: (laughs) Yes. And that's a fresh, fresh question for me because I was recently asked that by someone I love dearly. And, uh, and so, um, there aren't easy, there aren't easy answers Okay, so this is a like this is one of the things that god i mean it's a it's a it's a biblical reality and therefore it's one of the things that we can refer to that might be helpful biblically um it just depends on on like where they're at, what they think of God, you know if you know the in the in the more angry cynical place um of their experience, they may not be ready to, to hear that message, and, uh, and there aren't any easy answers. Um, what we do have in Jesus is a, is a member of the Godhead, God himself, who um, did not spare or was not spared the tragedy of the world and uh, experienced it in in, a, in dimensions that we'll never fully comprehend. And so we have, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, we have, for believers, you know, we have a high priest who is um, not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every respect, just as we are, and one who has suffered profoundly. And therefore... He understands the human
0: experience. When we talk about good and evil, John, I think all of us can can hit the the bullseye for various evil. I think evil is easy to recognize, but when you hear about the knowledge of good, where's your mind go? <laughs> we we
1: we are more acquainted with the knowledge of evil. I'm afraid so. Um, We wrestle with it a lot more than we do good, because we, um, because evil is what causes us all the anguish. But when, but the very so, so it it gets all the attention, it gets all our emotional energy, generally, or most of it. Um, We where we find our limitations in comprehending good is when we go to try to give God thanks. How quickly do we run out of words for thankfulness? How, how hard is it to be thankful? You know, how hard is it to recognize mercies? It's not hard to recognize evil. No. No. <laughs> but oftentimes we ignore mercies. And what we hear from, like the writers of the New Testament were not ignorant of human suffering. They all suffered. They all had family members that suffered. they all suffered profoundly. They weren't living in some sort of fairyland. And it's remarkable how often they point us to mercies and good, like Paul um, in Philippians four: eight when he says, "Whatever is whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable." If there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. And we find that to be extraordinarily hard. But when we look intentionally, force ourselves to look, look for graces, um, they are there. They're there, they're there more than, than we recognize. Mm-hmm. And we also need, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, we need strength to comprehend what is the length and breadth and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses Mm -hmm. knowledge.
0: John Bloom is my guest, Deep Thinker Thursday. And if you have a question or you'd like to uh, have us elaborate on something we've already said, let us know, 877-933-2484, when things don't make sense, talking about good and evil. We'll be back in just a minute. John Bloom's in the studio. Call this Deep Thinker Thursday. Talking about things that exist that are really beyond our comprehension good and evil. Those are big subjects, and it's sometimes hard to know where to put stuff. That evil is so big, we don't know what to do with it. Sometimes we don't know how to process and move forward when things don't make sense. We want them to make sense, we want answers, and they don't come. And then we have to trust God in all of this. So, John. Um, how do we do that? How do we process and move forward when things aren't making sense to us?
1: There of course is no simplistic answer to that question because every person's experience is different. The natures of tragedies are different. I mean, there's so there's a lot of similarities in in the, in the way and just the way they, they overwhelm us emotionally and psychologically and spiritually. Um, Every person's experience is different. And so the answers tend to end up being more tailored. Uh, That's why we need, (laughs) we need people in our lives um, who walk with us, that they not always talk with us, but they walk with us and, and help us. um. What I would say is the closer we are to the explosion of a tragedy, for instance, the, 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 like, it's like getting a, it's like getting a massive wound in the body. Um, The closer you are to the, to the, to the event of the injury, the more the, the wound is screaming in pain. Uh, the, you know, the, it's, and it's, there, there, there is questions of why, but, but at that, at that moment, often the whys aren't aren't, um, they're, they're not addressing, they don't address the pain. Like like it's, it, it is, it's not that they don't need some answers or some paradigms, but, but it's so, it's so, you know, just make the hurts. I help me like, and, and, um, we need, we need to recognize that that when, when an emotional wound is screaming in pain, um, the places that I think are most helpful tend to be promises of that that give hope that God is going to, you know, bring redemptive good ultimately, even though even if we can't figure out how, because because at that point a lot of intellectual processing of it and and trying to like the philosophical things. Are only a marginal help. We are in deep, deep pain, and we are needing to be healed. And some of those things begin to make more sense over with some perspective on time. And so, if we're willing to allow for the for the pain screaming season, and trust that God will bring the answers when we are maybe more ready to handle them here, because maybe there are there are answers right now. They just because of our pain and and all the motions those things stir up anger, frustration, cynicism, doubt um, sometimes the knowledge is too heavy to bear at that moment, and so some things we will understand better with more perspective and other things we we won't ever understand fully here we just won't and uh and at that point what like where we end you know so so there's when I say it's time we have to hand back the fruit and keep handing it back we we do that in different ways we do it in different ways depending on what the where we're at what phase we're at and uh, and what the circumstances are required like what does it mean for me to to trust because essentially handing back the fruit is another way of saying trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding it's the leaning on our own understanding that will cause so much like additional pain if we if we do that then we there are things that we will need to to trust when we can't put the pieces together
0: i would love for you to talk about job and how that plays into the tragedies that job had how they remain mysterious to him and his friend's counsel was not that great and he didn't really know or could understand fully what was happening
1: yeah um. In the book of Job, the book of Job isn't isn't in there to explain what is happening with everybody's particular tragedies. It's there to give us a picture, um, a mul- like a like m- multiple perspectives of things that are going on. So there were there were things that were going on in in the like the, the divine council realm that, you know, in those opening scenes in the divine council where you've got God and you've got Satan and, uh, and there's this interaction that Job didn't, wasn't privy to. So it was mysterious to him. He couldn't see it. Didn't know. And uh, you know, the, What, what, what's happening there? You know, we can. Job is such a such a big, massive book, and there's all sorts of layers of issues that, that we could get pulled into in terms of God's justice and, and all those things. But one, one thing we can say is there are things going on often outside of our perception that we don't know about. We don't know. We can't know. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, Job expressed trust in God's character. And then in his, in the midst of his his grief and his physical suffering, he cried out in pain because it was flaring up and and it, the explosions and 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 physical pain, f- literal physical pain hurt so bad. And um and his friends, at least the 3 of them made it a a relatively black and white issue like this doesn't happen to people who are righteous. That's in religious circles. That's that can be the conclusions that we reach. Uh, but that they were not right; they were wrong. Um. But then when so, so there's things outside of Job's, um, that, that are going on. But in God's providence, God, like God did not answer Job all of Job's questions he didn't answer them what he did is he showed Job a range of his activity and said now are you able to understand this are you able to under- understand how everything works together are you like like were you there do you know do you think you can do you how wise do you think you are and um and Job ended up saying I have spoken of things too wonderful for me to know. Mm-hmm. And he put his hand over his mouth and he rendered back to God the things that are God's. Now, um, what we take away from Job is the the fact that, number one, there are reasons, there are things going on outside our our view that we don't, that we don't know, and we need to trust him with those things. We need to trust him with those things. We don't know. And he's not going to explain all those things. And we wouldn't understand them if he did. And plus, the complexities of how all of of creation and the way it's set up is all working toward an end. Like, it's all a tapestry. All of... All of creation and redemptive history is all a tapestry working toward a grand end. And we all are in some place in it. It's a small place. And so like, our perspective is small. And we, so we demand answers and he will say, well, are you like, do you have, do you have full comprehension of the range of what's going on here? um or w- are you willing to trust me are you willing to trust me and so you know it's i think those are the the major issues of the book of job and of course there's there's other things that are we find that we can struggle with um but but i think those are the the primary things things that are outside of our perceptual you know, we, we we don't know and then levels of wisdom that up close don't make sense to us, we don't have the perspective on it. you know, given a an eternal perspective someday, um, I don't know what what God will reveal to us ultimately, but we will have a different perspective on all those things and how they look, whether that whether God is just or not, so up close to an explosion or a tragedy. Things may you know. The the closer we are, as I said in the article, the closer we are, the more chaotic and and senseless it appears. Um, Because it's more pixelated, we don't we just don't see the whole picture. Mm -hmm.
0: We don't like being finite, do we? We don't like not knowing. We don't like wondering if God's going to reveal His full understanding to us, and He really has no obligation to.
1: He has no obligation to, and he's not being mean in not doing it. I agree,
0: John. Because yeah, I wasn't. He might be unbelievably kind by not revealing.
1: He, it's a. As I said in the article, there are mysteries that are great mercies. Um. Even if God ex- tried to explain some some of the broader reasons for for things, we still might not understand. Why? Like the the questions of why, 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 why can go back? Because there's some knowledge that is simply too heavy for us to carry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the problem. That's the problem. It's our capacities, and it's not that it's not that asking the why or it, that is necessarily the problem. But at some point, we're going to have to say, "I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I'll hand back the fruit of the knowledge of the tree." of the knowledge of good and evil because I'm not big enough and strong enough to carry it. I can't administrate it. I don't know. Um, but I need you to heal me and I need you to give hope here. And I need you to bring good out of this. I need you to provide what I need. I need you. We start asking him for those things and those are the things that he promises he promises to give us sufficient grace. He promises to provide what we need. He promises to give us a hope and a future. He promises that he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He makes promises, great and precious promises that we are meant to hide in. It's one of the reasons why we, we read in the Psalms the imagery of a refuge God is a refuge for us. He's meant to be a refuge. He will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. It's all from Psalm 27. Um, and so God is a refuge for us. He's meant to be that. He, we run into in, to, to him when we, are, when we don't know what else to do. And when we're wide open to Satan's accusation for, you know, because he, he will be right there to accuse God and to accuse us and to throw all kinds of doubt bombs and anger like to tempt us in, in ways. And uh, and so we are meant to run into God as a refuge.
0: All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back. We'll have one more segment with John Bloom, it's Deep Thinker Thursday. Hope you're enjoying our time. Uh, his article that's now up at desiringgod.org and its entirety is called It Doesn't Make Sense When We're Blindsided by Suicide. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: There are plenty of uncertainties in life, but God's Word is filled with promises that will never change, never be taken from you. In his book, Unshakable Hope, Building Our Lives on the Promises of God, Max Lucado shares 12 key spiritual promises so you can build an unshakable life of hope, no matter what your circumstances. We are giving away five copies this week. Enter to win
0: one at MyFaithRadio.com. Hey there, this is Pastor J.D. Greer, your teacher for the daily radio broadcast Summit Life. Are you right now living a life of unquenchable joy, reckless generosity, or or audacious faith? Well, I would like to invite you personally to join me every single weekday on Summit Life right here and discover how to live out that abundant life that only Jesus Christ provides. Listen for Summit Life weekday mornings at 1130 here on Faith Radio. Connecting your faith to your life
1: every day.
2: Oh, just inspirational and, um, you know, just hearing stories of things that I'm going through and and also to help friends.
0: It's just helped me grow spiritually. And I've been listening to um, this station since growing up as a child. And uh, it's just gotten better
2: and better throughout the years. Thanks for being part of the family of Faith Radio
0: John Bloom is in studio, Deep Thinker Thursday. He's written an article at DesiringGod.org called It Doesn't Make Sense. That's what we're chatting about today. Sometimes when there is tragedy or suffering in your life and it doesn't make sense, you don't have a place to put it. There's no compartment it can go in. It keeps um, you in turmoil or anxiety. And John, you will say that those are the times that those times of darkness. We need to trust Him and go to Him with all of our anxiety.
1: We do because He's God, and we are not. Mm-hmm. We were talking um, here, the three of us in during the break, about the place of expectations in our in our sufferings. In other words the things that we expected to the way we expected it to be in contrast to the way it turned out and uh, whether, whether, like, whether is it wrong to have expectations? Because some people might say, uh, you know, some people might say, well, well, don't have any expectations because expectations would be idolatry. Well, I don't think that's true because we're like, I don't think anybody can help having like expectations. If, about the way things ought to be if good was the only um, reality in this world. Our longing for what's good is, is a right longing. It's not a wrong longing. A longing that our child survives is not a wrong longing. A longing that a friend does not commit suicide is not a wrong longing. Um. But when, when they don't, when our when the reality of tragedy doesn't meet our expectations, and the where we're tempted to our idolatry is if we are insisting that it's got to be the way we want it to be or we won't trust you, God. And that's where it gets really hard. That is, that's, I mean, we see it laced all the way through Scripture. And God gives us one third of the Psalms to give us voice to our pain. What does it mean to trust Him when you are lamenting, when you are grieving, when you are absolutely confused, when things are going completely wrong when evil seems to have the upper hand when you've lost someone and you can't hold it together the fact that god puts so much voice to pain for us isn't is a mercy and it's an acknowledgement on god's part to say i i know this This is hard. it is really hard to be a human being in this age. It is it's hard to live with the knowledge of good and evil beyond what we 're able to bear it and um and so essentially, uh, in order to survive spiritually we 've got to have a place to go with what with what we can 't understand. That, that line, wherever that line is drawn, and it's maybe different for different people, um, but there's a line drawn for comprehension and for mystery. When we reach that, depending on whatever phase we are in our lives, we are meant to hand back to God what we cannot, uh, what isn't ours, and to let him carry what we are too weak to carry and to run into him as a refuge, and not, and not call him the enemy. As hard as that might be in the moment of pain, um, and trust that, that the God who understands human pain as well as Christian God does, is not leaving it meaningless for us. He will keep his promises. And we've, at some point, we'll need to trust him with it.
0: One of the verses, John, that just completely has come alive in a new way for me, just in this hour, because I've memorized this verse 35 years ago, is Philippians 4, 7. But it's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So that just came alive in my brain once again. Again, it's the peace that I get. I can trust God and I can... Have his peace, even though it will surpass all of my understanding.
1: Yeah, that's that, a big deal. In that context, it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is can be fierce and terrible. Anybody who deals with anxiety knows that.
0: You read my diary again? It's yeah, fear.
1: Fear is really hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm speaking from my front burner. I've got I've got places in my heart where I'm right now very vulnerable to fear and battling it. And it, and it's fragmenting and, and very distracting. Um, and and in, in anxiety, we're trying to make sense of things that we are afraid of. And we are, what Paul is saying is, um, you know, give it, like, there is a peace that will surpass your ability to understand. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if you're able to invite God in, if you're able to go into God as a refuge, it will guard you. It will guard your heart. And it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. That's a that's one of those refuge verses for us. Um, it, it illustrates how God means to be for us. Like, like I will protect you. I'll, I'll I'll give you the grace that you need. I'll protect you um,
0: if you're willing to trust me. Rebecca, how have you processed all this?
2: Um, with with tears over it. here in the corner. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been keeping my mic off because it's all very real but I really I I appreciate your sincerity as always John and we've been talking a bit during the break so I've had a chance to get out some of my questions because I'm afraid my voice will break because it is so real to me as our listeners know some of of my story Um, and I think maybe if you wouldn't mind reiterating that it's okay to continue to process this yes. for many of us as we're walking along the journey of grief. I know it's not just about me, but speaking from my heart, I do have those questions that keep coming up and I do trust God. Yes. But at one in the morning and I wake up and I want to know why, how do I keep giving back? the fruit. And, and it's okay to do that, right? It's okay to keep having this process of feeling like I'm, I'm far away and lost and searching and, and running back to God as that refuge.
1: Yes. It's okay. God is not angry with us when we come to him with this, with our pain. And he is so aware that healing takes time. It's not like it's it as you said in, in one of the breaks. It's not like a one and done. It's not like it's not like you take care of it and it's okay. Okay. Well, now it's all right. It,
2: Moving on. Nothing yeah. works that way. <laughs> I
1: don't know anything that doesn't take tremendous amount of repetition before it, before it becomes yeah. effective. It like in all of human experience, everything, everything that we do, everything that we advance in, any like it takes repetition. You have to rehearse the you rehearse the questions and you rehearse the the promises. I I. I can't tell you how often I have re- rehearsed promises in order to fight off despair and and fear. And it's not a one-and-done thing. Um, and asking the questions, like, like there might be progressive, you know, God might progressively reveal things to us as we're able to understand them at different times. So, like, there might, like, you know, like right now, you might, there might be a, no, no, I can. Feels like no answer to the pain. Where in six months there might be something that goes. It just clicks. But right now it's you got. Well, what can that happen right now? Well, perhaps. But but, perhaps not. You know, and so bringing the pain back to God is exactly what you should do. Um, because that that's part of that's part of the healing. You know, just just processing it with him. And others, God will use others to help you, you know, to help put things in perspective and little pieces here and there. The whole piece of the puzzle might never come together. Probably won't. But his grace will be sufficient for you. And his power will be made perfect in your weakness. And he will give you what you need. And he will complete the good work that he
0: began in you to the day of Christ Jesus. Thanks, John. Great to have you in studio. And we miss Pam, your wife. So we're looking forward yes. to the next time you visit. Um, John uh, Bloom has been my guest. Go to desiringgod.org. If you want to hear the, uh, or read the article that we're talking about, it called, it doesn't make sense. Uh, desiringgod.org. That wraps up our show. Thanks so much, uh, for listening and, and, uh, Supporting Faith Radio. It means the world to us. Um, Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.